New York, New York, both teams got off the mat, and I have a feeling their worries about division titles in the Big Apple might be mollified. But one big change is happening. In fact, a bunch of big changes are happening in the rules of baseball. I have thoughts. This guy right over here, he has thoughts. We're doing a lockdown crossover. Let's do it. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the Lockdown MLB Locked on Diamondbacks crossover, which is being dropped on the 12th day of September 2022. This is the podcast we talk about all of Major League Baseball all year round. And thank goodness Miller Thomas was on mute when he sneezed. That's Miller Thomas over there. He's the host of Locked on Diamondbacks. Say hello to the nice people, Miller. Yeah, my throat got a little dry there. That was a pretty bad cough. Hello, people. You know, follow me on Twitter as always, creator Thomas24 for my personal account. Look up Lockdown Diamondbacks, both Twitter and Instagram in that little search bar. And of course, we're on YouTube as well. Lockdown Diamondbacks on there and on all your podcasting platforms. Yeah, and I'm the host of Lockdown MLB. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. If you look at the lower third, please, please, I'm begging you to call me Sully. I'm an Emmy nominated television producer from my TV producing days from San Francisco, and I've been uh, produced for some shows like The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and Axemen on History Channel, The Bonnie Hunt Show, which was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had in my life. Oh, I wish that show got picked up. It was it, I couldn't believe we were getting paid. We were having so much fun. Uh, and I've been a stand-up comic. I've been a film director and actor and all this other stuff, but I've been podcasting for well over a decade. And this is now, we're, we're approaching the end of my fourth full season of Locked On MLB, uh, bringing my talents over. Before I did the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, and they liked what I did there and said, hey, why don't you bring your talents over to here? And I had a, I had a big special. It was like the decision with LeBron when I decided to sign with Locked On mm-hmm. MLB. I said, I'm going to bring my talents to South Beach. And I said, we're not located in South Beach. Said, okay, we'll just do it from my room. Um, follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, and on YouTube, you can follow us at Locked On MLB. And uh, you can follow me, my personal account on Twitter, Sully Baseball, and Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Okay, um, first of all, we're recording this right now on the, on Sunday. It's Sunday afternoon. A lot of the games have either wrapped up or are on the verge of wrapping up. Let's just review a couple of the interesting things here. Albert Pujols is at home run number 697. He had a pair of home runs in the series against Pittsburgh and good for the pirate fans for giving him a, you know, giving him a standing ovation. I know there's some joyless pirate fans and you never cheer for the opposition. Well, there's not a re- lot of reasons to cheer at Pittsburgh anyway. So you might as well cheer for something and watching, uh, you know, like the question is like, we're going to have to eventually break down his entire career. Um, he is he, but Pujols will go down as the second greatest offensive figure in St. Louis Cardinal history, uh, second only to Stan Musial. And the reason why Musial will always get the nod over Pujols is Musial spent his entire career in St. Louis, and a giant chunk of Pujols' stats uh, are in Anaheim. But he is a he's a legit Hall of Famer, one of the great Cardinals of all time, and his home run today was the difference as St. Lou beat the Pirates and are really starting. I mean, look at Milwaukee won, but the Cardinals have are up by eight with about, what, 20-something games to go. 
they have this division all but locked up, and it's a great story that Pujols is, uh, you know, he needs three more home runs, and then there he will join the 700 club along with Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, and Henry Aaron. Yeah, Pujols, definitely one of the faces of the generation for the 25 and young crowd. Definitely been one of the faces. He got lost there for a little bit when he went to Los Angeles because of they just did nothing during his time there. But uh, Pujols, I, I'm going to say I am pretty shocked that he's going to probably hit 700 this season because there was Me a too. point I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he's probably just too old to do it. And maybe it's like pretty clear and obvious that he's taking some sort of PEDs because it seems like every time he goes up to the plate, he's just smacking it over the fence. This is a I didn't say it. I didn't hey. say it. Let's put the lawsuit this direction. Hey, this is a power surgery I haven't seen in years from Albert Pools. And look, it's his final season. It's his retirement year. We're not even – if he gets busted, like, no one even cares. If he does it, like, no one even cares if he's doing PEDs in the final year of his career. So, for Pools, it won't taint his legacy or anything like that. And we're just chasing records at this point in the season for Pools. We're just having fun. And then he can hit in the regular season. And it won't be over just yet for Albert Pools. He's not on some crappy team that's going to be out the postseason. Exactly. Um, once the playoffs start. He can still have moments once we get to the playoffs and maybe hit a pinch hit home run or two en route to the World Series or maybe even make a big moment or two in the World Series. So Pujols, this magical run that he's doing in the regular season isn't over yet, and he still might make a few more moments once we get to the playoffs. Now, the only players in baseball history ever hit three home runs in a single World Series game are Babe Ruth, Reggie Jackson, Albert Pujols, and Pablo Sandoval. Three of these names belong together. Three of these names. <laughs> Which one stands out? Oh, bless you, Pablo. You know, he did, he always, Sandoval was always so great in the postseason that, and, and, and I, I was watching tons of giant games, of course, especially with my pop. And I knew that Sandoval was, eh, he was okay during the regular season. He was a streaky hitter, sometimes looked really bad, sometimes looked really good. Then he saw the calendar page flipped October, said, give me that bat, and he would turn into a great player. And if you only watched the postseason, you'd be under the assumption that he was a Hall of Famer. And when the Red Sox <laughs> signed him, I was like, no, you don't understand what you've got. But anyway, this is not Sandoval time. Uh, Pujols uh, has had a great World Series moments. He's so great that he is remembered – for a moment in a series where his team lost in six, which is the home run he had off of Brad Lidge when the uh, Cardinals were one swing away from losing the pennant. He hit that home run off of Lidge, which there's no evidence that it has landed yet. And everyone remembers that home run and act like the Astros lost that series. The Astros actually won the series the next day or two days later, you know, that they, they, they won it in six, but no one remembers that. They only remember the fact that Pujols smashed that home run off of Lidge. And, you know, he was a NLCS MVP in 2004. He had huge home runs in the 06 World Series when they defeated the uh, Detroit Tigers. Um, and that, of course, uh, had the three home run game in the 2011 World Series against the Texas Rangers. Really one of the best World Series of the last decade. So, yeah, he he's fantastic. Um, good luck to him getting those final three home runs. Look, I'm not a Cardinal fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I did pick them to win the World Series based on how they're doing. Uh, let's go around the league a little bit here. Um, the Yankees lost game one of their series against the Rays. And every person, especially an idiot like myself, who's a, who's not a Yankee fan, they go, hey, if the Rays sweep 
that the lead will be down to a game and a half. In fact, the the Rays would be ahead in the loss column. Well, the Yankees give them credit. We've all smacked them when they were down. They won 10-3 on Saturday, 10-3 on Sunday. They beat they won by a combined score of 20 to 6 with with a couple of home runs from Glaber Torres. Give them credit where credit's due. Everyone who kicked them when they're down. Uh I they with those two losses and um also I believe uh, the Blue Jays lost too. Yeah, the Blue Jays lost as well. Uh, the Yankees have all but clinched the AL East, have all but clinched missing the wild card round. So despite all the talk of collapse this or collapse that, they're going to end up being the number two team in the American League and missing the wild card round. That doesn't sound like a collapse to me. No, it won't be a regular season collapse. They're hanging on right now. They've really picked themselves up after struggling mightily a post All-Star break and in that month of August. But we all know it's all going to come down to the postseason because it doesn't matter how many wins they get in the regular season. If the Yankees finish with 90 wins or if they finish with 100 wins, if you don't get back to the World Series, if you're Brian Cashman, then basically this season's a failure because for the Yankees, their franchise mentality is championship or bust. So, yes, maybe it's not a regular season collapse. Maybe they won't make the playoffs as a wild card team or anything like that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter whether the Yankees make the playoffs as a wild card team, as the division winner, as the best team in baseball. If, you, they, if they just don't don't get the job done in the playoffs, then it really doesn't matter what they did in the regular season. Well, it has showed how vulnerable they can be. But mm-hmm. also, I do believe, and I've said this before, that I think once again, the American League is wide open. Yeah. That there's no, I mean, Houston is the best team in the American League right now, mm-hmm. but they're beatable. This is not, this is not an invincible Houston team. Uh, I think they would probably be favored, but nobody could be stunned if you saw Seattle or Cleveland get on a run, especially with some of their pitching, uh, suddenly, you know, the way the Red Sox, who stumbled and bumbled into the playoffs last year, got to within two wins of the World Series. A team can get hot at the right time. Tampa can get hot at the right time. By the way, uh, Seattle right now is winning 5-1. to one. Uh, Julio Rodriguez got a leadoff home run in that. And that is big news, not just for the Mariners, who are looking for the first to make the playoffs for the first time since 2001 but that was gigantic news for the other new york team the mets who briefly fell out of first place for one day they fell out of first place and images of 2007 dancing in the heads of met fans well the the mets spanked the marlins today at a nine to three score uh they won on uh saturday night 11 to three so they got off the mat uh, and showed showed a lot of guts, and looks like, you know, I mean, granted, it's not a, building up a gigantic lead, but the Mets have righted the ship. Yeah, because they've been dealing with some injuries with Scherzer going on the injury list and Starling Marte, so they've been being up a little bit recently in the Braves. I mean, the Braves, their roster with all that young talent had just, like, rose the tides of the the Braves franchise so much this year when you look at the Michael Harris's and the Spencer Striders and the and the Grishams of the world like they've had so much young talent injected to that into that roster this season that's honestly um crazy what the Braves have done because they're coming off this World Series victory and they might have actually built a better team um going into this season so the Braves are going to be a formidable team once we get to the postseason and if I'm the New York Mets like the NL East doesn't feel as strong. Uh, it doesn't. I don't feel like I'm the king of the NL East as maybe I thought a couple of months ago when I felt like the Mets were the the king of that division. With the way mm-hmm. the Braves have played the last two months, like they've really played themselves in 
back into that top tier contender category with the New York Mets and the Los Angeles Dodgers because for a while felt like maybe the Braves are more of a second tier team in that in, in the National League with maybe like a Padres and the St. Louis Cardinals. But now it feels like the Braves should probably be considered tier one with the Dodgers and the Mets in the National League right now as favorites to maybe come out the, the for the pennant. Well, remember, after May, the Braves have played 700 ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I mean, for for what will be like two thirds of the season, they're playing at a clip of like 110, 120 wins. So, I mean, that's that's, that's them, a lot you know, of yeah, that's a big yeah. So that's enough of sample size. And, uh, you know, we're going to take we're going to talk about something in the second segment, because I think a team should be sending out some, I don't know, feelers for a new employee. Because there's a team that looked like they're in the driver's seat for a postseason series, and now there's not even any hope that they could – they may finish sub-500. And we saw that happen last year with the Padres and the Mets, and they ended up with new managers. And maybe there might be time for a new manager here. If you're looking for jobs, you're looking for people to fill your small business, let me give you one suggestion. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free you can create a job post in minutes on linkedin jobs to reach your network and beyond to the largest professional network of over 100 810 million people not 100 people no 810 million people that's more like it then you can add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your linkedin profile to spread the word that you're hiring so the network can help you find the right people to hire simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to hire and talk to and then hire and then offer a job to and then discuss salary with faster. This is being read verbatim. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com. Slash locked on MLB. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on MLB. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Um, I've never had a more smooth ad read than that. That was like, Mwah! Mwah! and did I mention, Mwah! hey, uh, let's talk a little bit about something. On uh, August 30th, you know, I like to do this. On a certain date, this was this, and how have they been since then? On mm-hmm. August 30th, the Minnesota Twins. We're six games above 500. And a couple of days after that, they had moved back into first place. They were a first place team in September. By all means of the definition of contender and having a great season, if you're in first place and it's September, you're thinking, all right, boys, let's go. It's go time. It is go time. Except in Minnesota, (laughs) where it was stop time, where they went on, the Twins went on, to lose nine of their next 11 games, including a clean sweep by Cleveland at Target Field in Minneapolis. Cleveland came in with a chance where if if the Twins swept them, they'd be in first place. Or no, they'd be out by half a game. Okay? I think that's what. Whatever it was, it was going to be like, it was like, okay, it's go time. And I did the math. Like, if they did that, and Chicago swept Oakland, then you could have three teams within half a game. Boom. How could you want anything more than that? And not only did the Twins win 
the Twins lose all three games. All three games were one or one or two runs difference in the eighth or ninth inning. So they were all winnable games, but they made dumb mistakes. They got picked off. They ran through the wrong base. They let balls ricochet off their glove. And that, you know, and Cleveland won all three games. And, you know, Chicago won the series against Oakland. So they've they've hung tight and still could win. And Tony La Russa better stay far away from this team because they're doing quite well under Miguel Cairo. Thank you very much. But the Twins have completely destroyed any hope they have to win the division. And they have no chance at the wild card. And that series they had against uh, Cleveland was basically their season. And they and they blew all three games. And this was a season where the AL Central, you only have to be a few games over 500 to win it. And they, um, I can't say the word, they did that to mm. the bed. They, they still have five games left against Cleveland and uh, six games left against Chicago. But you can't blow a series. You can't get swept at home against the team that you're chasing. They had the moment in front of them. They had the schedule set up. They played teams in their division their past week. They played the Chicago White Sox. They played the Cleveland Guardians. And like you said, they shot themselves in the foot. The schedule was set up for the Twins to put themselves back in the postseason race. It was whether it was on the Twins whether they want to grab the moment or not. And what we saw the past week, they've been walked off twice in the month of September. The Twins basically haven't been able to do anything on either side of the ball. And the Twins are now, they like you said, they are probably out the wild card race. They still have a chance at the division. I mean, what? We still got around 20 games left. They're four and a half games back at the time of us recording this. So they, they still got a slight sliver, slightly to but win the division. you can't afford to drop games against the team you're chasing at home when all the games are winnable. You can't that's do the, it. That's no. the thing that, that, you know, if they won two out of three, great. They had to win at least one. They lost all of them. And these were the games at home. And, you know, Cleveland wasn't exactly playing like the 1927 Yankees when they came in here. You know, the, the, the Cleveland allowed the Twins to get a share of first place just a week or so ago. And here we are. They're now they're sub 500. They just got smacked around by the White Sox, Yankees, and by Cleveland. And... I mean, it. they look dead from the neck up. The White Sox look like they have fight in them. Cleveland looks like they have fight them. This is You can't lose games like that at home. You just can't. No, but if we're going to be, if we're going to talk about possibilities, I'm just looking at their schedule. I think they play Cleveland five more times. They play the White Sox still six more times with the Royals and Tigers mixed into there. So, the path is still set up even after blowing this past week, you know, up until the whole month of September so far. Even though the Twins have been terrible so far in the month of September, you're still going to play those teams in your division that are directly ahead of you. And with the four and a half games back that you are, you still have a shot. Plus the Tigers and Royals mix into that schedule who could be, you know, if you take advantage of your business and you handle the opponents that are supposedly less than you, 
if you take care of business there with the Tigers or Royals, and then maybe you win two out of three against the White Sox and the uh, uh, the Guardians, then you might have a chance if you're the Twins. Again, I don't like that team on paper. If I had to rank it, they're probably the third best team on paper in terms of talent. But look at the White Sox team. Tony La Russa might be coming back. He's cleared. He's traveling with the team, but he's apparently not going to manage right away. Like, who knows? Is he just a puppet master right now behind the scenes pulling the strings? Like, I don't know what's going on there. They still have injuries with Tim Anderson. The Guardians are probably in a better position, but I wouldn't say it's a, like a lockdown uh you know it's the guardians division to lose or the white Sox division to lose like yeah it was a tough month for the twins so far but they still got a chance just because i don't love any of the other teams even though i don't love the twins either the twins not are going around anywhere the twins are a sub 500 team in september who couldn't win any <laughs> one of the three series that they desperately needed to win you know sometimes i don't have to eat the entire pot of spaghetti sauce to know what it tastes like. All right. Okay. This is what okay. the team is right now. They had to walk away with wins and they had, they lost a game in New York where they were winning an extra innings. They lost three straight games against their top rival where they, it, some of them, they had the winning run at the plate when the game ended. They had balls ricocheting players fielding the wrong place. They're just dead from the neck up. And I can't help but wonder, you know, look at oh. Joe Madden's floating out there. Oh, Joe Madden is a very good manager who was in a horrible situation in Anaheim where management was a mess. Everything in Anaheim is a mess. And even he couldn't turn that team into a winning team. And he got and he got fired. OK, he, he I think he will be dying to show he was fired at the wrong time that he wants to take another team to the world series and Minnesota has talent and is Rocco Baldelli, the right guy to do it. I don't know. The team's folding under his leadership. You know, isn't this why they let go of trace? What's his name last year or why, uh, what's his doodle with the Mets last year? Didn't get rehired. I can't even remember their names right now. Oh, trace Tingler. Tingler, Yes. Chase Tingler. And, uh, God, why can't I remember the um, Rojas, the manager of the uh, of the Mets? Um, but no, I mean, you have a potential Hall of Fame manager. You have a team that has some talent. I think there are some uh, landing spots for Joe Madden. I don't think he's managed his final game. I think he wants he wants to go out on a high. Um, I would mm. say pull a Tony La Russa and have his last game be a World Series winner. But that's not happened with uh, uh, Tony La Russa. But, um, I, I, you know, when you see a team collapse like this down the stretch, that's usually when a managerial change is made, um, especially if they want to keep Correa. You think Correa wants to stick around for this? Correa, the, yeah, the Correa point is interesting because I don't know what the Twins are going to do there, but are you drinking this PR Joe Madden Kool-Aid right now where he's going on tour saying it was more the Angels front office and forcing the analytics? Have you seen the, what the Angels front office has been like? My God, it's been a catastrophe. And they keep changing play, They keep changing coaches and general managers and this, that, and the other thing, and they can't put a mediocre team around Mike Trout in a decade? This management is terrible. Everyone yeah, my knows the management has been terrible. Yeah, speaking of Mike Trout, maybe we should shout out that he's hit a home run like literally every day this past week, which is just he's thirty. He missed what sixty games, and he still has thirty home runs. Yeah, and Otani, <laughs> he and Otani are still dynamite. 
And it's Otani, still like they're gonna, they're going to lose ninety something games. Yeah, Otani's going to be what top three in Cy Young voting, top three in yeah, MVP voting. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, well, look, it's we're crazy. Talking, we're, we're talking about change in baseball. Uh, let's talk about what's going to be the biggest change Ooh. in twenty twenty three. Let's move on to that. Um, the rule changes. Uh, where are the rule changes? We have a pitch timer. That yep. will, uh, this is according to the CNN report. I'm reading directly from the CNN report. A pitch timer mm-hmm. that will limit the amount a pitcher can take between pitches. They'll have 15 seconds when the bases are empty, 20 seconds uh, when pitches, when the uh, when there's one runner on base. I want everyone to understand what uh, 15 and 20 seconds is. I've got my stopwatch here <laughs> ready and go. We're going to start right now. The pitcher gets the ball, he goes to the rosin right. bag. That's that. The, the batter steps out, he adjusts his gloves, and he gets the sign, comes to the All set, right. and here's the pitch. 15 seconds. Okay, now there's no one on base, and here's the pitch. 20 seconds. More than enough time. More than enough time. I felt a little I've been watching before. No, no. Let's keep it moving. I've been watching lots of uh, uh, videos of, of baseball in the 70s. There's, there's, get the ball, get the sign, pitch, get the ball, get the sign, pitch. The whole thing, here, here's the pitch, and now comes out, changes his pants, reads his, reads the horoscope, pitcher takes a power nap, everyone comes in, the pitching coach comes out, they look at the hat, it says throw a strike, okay, thank you. They come out, everyone takes a breather, namaste, then here comes the second pitch. That's the part, one of the parts of the pace of play that drives me bananas. Pitch! Pitch! Got to get in that mental zone, Sully. You know, before I come on this podcast, I got to get in the batter's box, you know? I got to get in the mental zone, you know? Hit my thimble a couple times, play the vibrations in my room, maybe a lot of incense to get the vibes going, you know, real quick. And I feel the batters. They got to do the same thing. The pitchers got to do the same thing, too. Also, you got to slick up your hands a little bit. The pine tar, you can't just get that in under 10 seconds, you know? You got to make sure it's in the right spots on you your You got 15 seconds to do it. Well, you got 15 now, so... And all honestly, I love it. According to the minor league numbers, they've cut down the, the games by about 26 minutes. I mean, if we're going from about three hour and five minute games to about two and a half hour games, if you're literally cutting off 20, I'm that's in. incredible. I'm in. I'm I, in. I don't know I'm why in. anyone would be against. I'm I know in. there's some uh, backlash from players and owners or whatever. There's always going to be backlash for any change. There's always going to be backlash for any change. I'm in. I'm, to- I'm totally in. For those of you who think I'm like, you're a traditionalist, you're an old one. No, I'm in. Give me that pitch timer. Pitch timer reminds me of like when you're like, Oh, I'm not ready to pitch. It reminds me of that line that Lauren Michaels said about Saturday Night Live when mm. someone asked him, Um, how do you know when the show is ready? Is I know it's ready when it's 11 35. You know, it's it's you know, that means we got to go, it's time to go. Um, let's keep this thing moving. The other, uh, other one, uh, this the, I'm gonna get to the this one before I get to the big one, okay? Um, okay, the big look, the, the other one is the size of the base is going to be different. Um, I have Big. zero problem. I have <laughs> zero problem with that. Zero problem. Let's not. But by the way, folks, let's not get too precious about the tradition of the size of the base and everything. Go back and look at old films. The base used to look like a potato sack. It wasn't this this crisp square. It was this wobbly. It was a bag. It was a bag. Okay, and and sometimes nice and puffy. Sometimes flat. Okay, uh, the the base has changed. 
mm-hmm. over the years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we can't get precious about some things like, oh, we got to keep it. We have to keep the, this tradition and keep it the same. Really? Have you watched old baseball? So much has changed. It's almost unrecognizable. So no, if they want to make the base a little bigger, fine. Great. Let's go. I'm in. If it, if that, if that will get the running game back in baseball, by the way, you want to know something that takes mm-hmm. away from the pace Pre- of play is removing mm. the running game. Tell them. You know, when you have a runner on first, but you know they're not going to steal. Nope. There's no real excitement. You know, again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm old man Sully thinking about Ricky Henderson, Tim Raines, Vince no, Coleman, Brett Butler, all these people who were, you know, uh, Harold Reynolds, all these people who stole Eric Davis. When they got on base, I was going, watch him, watch him. Otis Nixon, watch him, watch him. He's going. You know, I mean, that was there's great clips of Ricky Henderson getting in the minds of pitchers. It was thrilling every time Ricky, you know, Ricky, Vince Coleman, Tim Raines, Willie McGee, all those people who were great base dealers. And I mean, what I loved about Ricky and like Willie McGee and, and Reigns, especially those three, no, no offense to some of the other ones, but those three, you know, their baseball IQs were off the charts. So it wasn't just that they were fast runners. They knew to how to read the pitcher. And removing that part of the game, you're literally removing speed. That in- speed increases the pace of play. Um, anyway, I'm all for that. Uh, yeah. Are we are we agreement on that? I don't see an uh, argument. Yeah, steals are an asset to the game. I don't understand why we started moving backwards in the speed department, why we thought it was safer to not send guys than to send guys. I get it. Maybe by the percentages, it's smarter to not send a guy. But guess what? If my guy gets a second base, now I got a runner in scoring position, and it just adds an extra level of excitement like you're talking about. Like the D-backs past few years weren't a big, heavy stealing team. But this season, guys like Rojas, Jake McCarthy, the Corbin Carrolls, the Thomases, the Dalton Varshals, like – yeah. D-backs are loaded with speed right now. We're taking off at every opportunity we got. And guess what? It's creating havoc on the bases, uh, the opposing defense. They don't know what to do. They're throwing the ball all over the, the, the field. The pitcher, he's now got to be more mindful. Okay, Rojas is on first. We got Jake McCarthy on first. Like, those guys, they're going to be aggressive on the base pass. Now he's, like, more distracted. He's he, he's picking off. He's coming back. Like, as, uh, as a fan of uh, the D-backs team who are stealing bases more, like it's such an advantage to watch the D-backs offense now because of all the chaos that they're creating for the opponent's defense. And I just absolutely love that. And to go back on the woe is me on bases in general, like my big issue with bases is the fact that they're elevated. I feel like bases should be kind of like home plate where it's like in the ground because I feel like Fair it's enough. also like, like a safety yeah. hazard. Like whenever I yeah. watch a guy like run down a ball to first base and like sometimes like their running is a little bit off on their timing and then they have to reach out for that last step to try to make it safe. And it's like sometimes they step on that base wrong and they like pull a muscle or like pull their calf. And I'm like, I, I think the bases are honestly like a safety hazard with how much they're raised from the ground. I'd rather them be like below the ground, like how home plate is. So that's my biggest issue with bases. Put them below the ground because I feel like they're a safety hazard. Fair enough. Okay, last one though. Um, the removal of the defensive shifts. By the way, uh, in an upcoming show, maybe this week or later, I'm going to talk a little bit about something you you hit on there a little bit, Millard, where they're talking about it's safer for the percentages to not be running all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And of which I will ask the question, since when is being safe entertaining? Yeah, like who cares? Who watches a Fast and Furious film? So make sure those hands are at t- at uh, ten and two o'clock. Hold on, check your blind spot. No, the speed limit here is fifty-five. Don't uh, don't fire the nos. No, you want to see thrills. You want to see chances. And part of the fun of watching sports sometimes is, hey, they're taking a risk. Let's see if it pays off. 
hey, let's go, let's let that pitcher face that batter one more time, see if he can top him. Let's go, you know, let's, you know, yeah, you could get thrown out at second, but you also could get second. Let's see them try to do it. Who watches the Olympics and go, I hope they're doing this safe. I hope they don't take a risk. No, no, cripes, that would be the worst. Um, defensive shifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to enforce this, but it looks like you have to have, uh, two fielders on either side of second base. And it looks like you can't have your fielders in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I, I may be misunderstanding that, but I, but it's clear that the, the shifts where you have everyone on one side or everyone on the other side, there's a grounder up the middle. No, there's three guys right there. Um, tell me what you think. Yeah, my interpretations of the rules uh, were similar, Sully. It sounded like you just keep your two defenders on each side, make sure they're not in the outfield, and you also can't switch your defenders depending on their right-handed batter. Like, if you want to put, you know, your star shortstop on the right side of the uh, of the bag now just because they're a different batter coming up, you can't do that. They have to be designated to one side. But it's only until the pitcher releases the pitch. So, in theory, you could have it set up normally, and then as that pitcher's releasing the pitch, your defender could run to the other side to set up the you know the pseudo shift i guess at that point if they just sprint over and want to do all that but that feels like it'd be too chaotic and too many people in, in motion at that point so i'm hoping the banning of this shift really opens up the offenses because we've been teaching kids for years hey take it right back up the middle right if you make good contact it should go right back up the middle and that's gonna be a base hit for you but you look at major league baseball Yes, and anytime you hit up the middle, it is an easy out every time. Anytime you think you're getting good wood on a ball, it is an easy out every time. And Ian Happ was talking about, like, yeah, the shift is great to ban because as, like, a left-handed hitter, like, sometimes when I need I need to pull the ball, like, if it's a changeup or something, to keep the pitcher honest, and it's like, no, there's seven dudes on the right side of the play. It's like, I, I can't even keep the pitcher honest now with certain types of pitches because of how the defense is playing me. It's, like, such a j- disadvantage for the offense. It's like, as a fan, as a product, like, who wants to see that? Like, I grew up as a Red Sox fan like you, Sully. Big Poppy. I feel like Big Poppy would have batted 350 in his career if the shift didn't exist. Like, how many hits did Big Poppy get taken away? How many doubles was ripped away from Big Poppy's plaque because of the shift? It's not fun. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see eight defenders on one side of the ball. I want more offense. So I'm so glad that the shift is finally gone. After the Universal DH, this was like the second biggest thing I needed for the offense. Well, you know, I was not a fan of the Universal DH. Um... I'm still not – I still think that if you're going to have a universal DH, just, you know, abolish NL and AL and make regional <laughs> divisions because there's no difference between the two. And there, there really isn't a difference between the NL and the AL anymore. They're just the same. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm all for this. You boiled it – you know what? I was going to say a bunch of things, but you boiled it down to one line. It's not fun. And lest we forget – this is entertainment. And this is the one thing I think that people sometimes forget when they get obsessed over the percentages and everything. This is entertainment. It's entertaining to watch a runner take off. It's entertaining to watch the pitcher get the ball and get it right back in there and keep it moving, keep put the pressure on them. It's entertaining to not only see the ball get through the infield, but also if it's a difficult ball to see the the fielder make a diving attempt for it. We're mm-hmm. losing the highlight plays because of defensive shifts. And what I would love to have seen during the days of the defensive shifts was just lay down the bunt and beat it all the time. I just would have loved to have seen that just for the anarchy of that. But no one seemed to want to do that on a regular basis. So yeah, let's let's get rid of it. It you know, I like things that make the game more entertaining. 
Um, the rule change that I still want to see is you get to use uh, you get to use four pitchers for the nine inning game. Mm. Uh, you open it up after a bit. Like uh, to me, the biggest thing to slow down the pace of play is, and I saw you know a couple times today, like two outs, nobody on. Here comes a batter batting one seventy four with an OPS of two hundred, and they're going to bring in a reliever. Why? Stop the game. Here comes the reliever. The 180 hitter strikes out. Then everyone comes out. It just slows it down. It slows it down. I mean, I have lots of thoughts about that every aspect of the sabermetrics revolution has been designed to slow the game down. So you have to work against that. But do you know what? If we have a merging of the things that make baseball exciting and intelligent analysis, we may be on the verge of an entertainment revolution. But any entertainment revolution is going to involve Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks. Tell people where they can follow you. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Diamondbacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, we're on YouTube, Locked On Diamondbacks on there as well and on all your podcasting platforms. Oh, I forgot to mention the nice thing that um, uh, Dave Stewart got his number retired in Oakland as well. He should. The World Series MVP of 1989, uh, also ALCS MVP of 1990, local product from Oakland, revived his career with the A's. Yes, they had the superstars like Ricky and Canseco and McGuire and Eckersley, but that was Dave Stewart's team. He was the leader of that team. And even though number 34 was already retired for Raleigh Fingers, why was it still available to give to Dave Stewart? Heck, retired twice. Number eight is retired twice for the Yankees, for Bill Dickey and Yogi Berra. Things like this can happen. So I just want to throw that out there because I know lots of A's fans listen to this podcast. Hey, uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been the Lockdown MLB, Lockdown Diamondbacks crossover here. Uh, I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully Billard. Let's end this with a proper fist pump. Here we go, buddy. Give it right Boom. there. Give it right there. Boom. <laughs>